Yeah. Check it out. See, the only thing you need to do right here is snarl your freaking head. Yeah, boy, it's May 18th, and this is episode 108, and this is the Fantasy Football Auctioneer. I'm your host, Uncle Buckets. The Fantasy Football Auctioneer is the official podcast of the FantasyFootballAuction.com, the internet's only website dedicated to fantasy football auctions. You can find us on Facebook at Facebook.com backslash Fantasy Football Auctioneer, or follow us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Fantasy Auction. We've got a great show for you tonight. Tonight, we're going to take a look at the running back position. Uh, Slim was working on his player rankings and his auction values this weekend, and there were a few things that jumped out at him, so we thought it was worth taking a look at on tonight's pod. <laughs> but, of course, our experts, they're always here. He's applying bandages and salve. Ooh, I hate that word, salve, to his index fingers from all the hunting and pecking that he did uh, today. Blister, you really pounded out the content today. We got two words for ya! <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was trying to get some done, you know, uh, up here in Canada, you never know what the weather's going to be. We had summer about a month and a half ago, and today, and yesterday it started to snow, so it, it's pretty disappointing, but I guess one thing was good about it, we we were found ourselves in the house a lot more, and were able to uh, do a little bit of work for the FFA, and, you know, it was kind of good. I like that survey you put out the other day, Uncle Buck said, and it asked uh, some of the listeners what they wanted to, to um, you know, what they wanted to see, what they wanted for content. So I think it looks like we're going to be pretty busy from here through uh, draft day. Yeah, I sent out emails to, I, well, well over a 1,000 people on the email list, I guess, and uh, just asking them, what are they looking for out of the website? Because, you know, we're looking for content, right? We wanted to satisfy the needs of uh, you people out there. So if you've got something you're looking for as far as auction stuff goes, don't be afraid to give us a shout. You can uh, email us at footballauctioneer at gmail.com. Head on over to the website, put some comments on the on the website. You can do that as well. So, yeah, there's lots of – we had lots of good content ideas already coming in. So speaking of content ideas, though, Blister – He's working on new metrics, he says, uh, taking a look at his average auction value, or the AAV, as we call it, and his player rankings. Uh, Slim, how's the math coming along? Did you get the uh, math coach over there? Will the real Slim Shady please stand up? I repeat, will the real Slim Shady please stand up? A couple texts, but uh, <laughs> no, you know what? I haven't got into actually crunching the numbers yet. I'm still trying to wrap my mind around how I can create a useful metric here that can allow more or less anybody to take our average auction values and plug in your rankings and then see kind of which players are going, are providing you with a value as far as price per what you expect out of their production. So hopefully it can spit out one kind of number for every player and we can just use that as a, as a comparison to just see it quickly kind of who's giving you value. That's the, th that's the thought. So that's the idea. Should be, should be ready soon. Well, I was looking at our rankings and our auction values and 
I've seen at work the guys are doing all types of stuff with script inside of those spreadsheets on Google on the Google spreadsheet. So I gave it a little look today. I of course wasted some time instead of plugging away on the website trying to learn some coding so that I could uh, make those fancy buttons and maybe auto rank stuff and that. But uh, I wasted my time. But that's okay. That's all right. It's, I'm gonna, yeah, it's something I want to work. Head. It's something I something I want to work on. Uh, like the the dark prince at work there, he can really work some magic. So that's some high end nerd shit right there. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. It was Just no, it was wicked stuff he was showing me the other day. Unbelievable. Anyways, um, <laughs> we won't uh, we won't get into too much of that, but we are going to take a look at look at running backs, guys. So if you guys are ready, then I'm ready. Let's cock the hammer. It's time for action. All right, so I said uh, before we're going to take a look at running backs. Slim found some some things that popped out to him when he was doing his running back uh, player rankings and, and auction values. So there's some good questions he kind of had come up. So we wanna, wanted to talk about them here live on the air. This is kind of stuff that you're doing with your buddies anyways. So the three of us are going to sit around and, and talk running backs. But we do have some Twitter questions, so I thought I might as well break out the Break out the music, uh, Slim. I know from that comment on YouTube, on iTunes, sorry, that the guy's going to be mad at it. But let's roll into segment number one. This one's called We Just Got a Letter. 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 Wonder who it's from. So I know I'm going to get in trouble there, guys, for playing the Blues Clues uh, theme. You shock jock, you. <laughs> yeah, morning Zoo, I think, is how we referred to us. That's all right. We take uh, we take all comers. That's okay. But there's a lot of good positive feedback. There was a comment about how I interrupt all of the good content with uh, with, with music and sound, <laughs> with sound effects. Kind of, yeah, and it's like the Morning <laughs> Zoo. <laughs> <laughs> But but we've seen more and more comments coming on on iTunes now where it talks about as being entertaining and funny. So I'd like to hope that you know, when I drop, <laughs> but when we dropped when I last week I dropped the um, what was it? It was from Stern Show. I put on a prank phone call from Sal and Richard. Put that as a little soundbite. You know, people people hopefully like are appreciating that. some of it. I am anyway. Yeah, you can't please everybody, box. You can't please That's right. everybody. But the content well, is still of, second to none. That's <laughs> speaking of pleasing yeah. everybody. We like to hear if we are pleasing you or not. Uh, head on over to iTunes. We're going to open up this contest or not contest, I guess, the, the offer until June 1st. There's been a, quite a few guys that have been on the iTunes site giving us a comment and a rating and have let us know that they've done so and are going to get a free subscription to the new membership site that we're offering. So head on over to iTunes, find our our podcast, subscribe, so you don't miss any of the content. Give us a comment and give us a rating. It's going to help move us up the... Move us up the ranks, so that's what we get out of it, and what you're going to get out of it up until June 1st is you're going to get yourself a free subscription to the to the membership site. So, so do that for us, and we'll do that for you. There's been quite a few guys that have done it already. Most notably, lately, um, we had got Stump 13 who was on uh, the mission, the Michigan Commissioner who likes when we give crap to each other. Um, Sherm 21 was also on there. 
is that uh, his only gripe, his only downside, guys, about the podcast is that there's not enough of them. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he goes, but who cares? It's only me, he says. But uh, he'd love a new podcast every day, he says. (laughs) (laughs) So would our wives, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure they would. would. We'd be all living my shit. (laughs) Well, at least the colors match your house blister. That's right. She wants to change that this weekend coming up. I don't think I want to have any part of that. (laughs) There you go. All right, anyway, so we do have some Twitter questions, and Twitter questions coming from the guys that are, well, they're always tweeting us. The first one here comes from uh, Coach Papaupau. Anyways, the coach is asking, guys, and this ties right into what we're getting into with the with the running backs. Do you like the zero RB strategy this year with all the top of the line wide receivers available? So, Slim, because you're the one who thought, let's talk about running backs. Why don't you take the first crack at that? First of all, does zero RB actually work in auction? And if it does, um, what do you think of it? Uh, yeah, I guess it can work. It, it sure. Uh, I, I'm not a big fan of it. Um, that doesn't mean that I load up on elite running backs, but I just think that um, with all the wide receivers available, to me that just makes more quality guys available that are going to be cheaper than, than the elite options. Yeah. Um, so you can save money at wide receiver. Well, you got to spend it somewhere now. So to me, running back is... Uh, a very good place to start. Uh, if you don't want to go and get Gronk or Jimmy Graham, then for me personally, running back is the only next place for me to go because I'm not going to do it on a quarterback and I'm definitely not going to do it on a defense or a kicker. So, right. um, yeah, I think with you know how many wide receivers project to be kind of at a decent value this year, uh, maybe this isn't a year where you want to go with this something like a zero RB strategy or something very late. Um, you know, something to think about, and we'll, we'll definitely learn more as we mock here, but I have a feeling that people are going to spend on running backs again this year because they're going to bank on getting uh, wide receivers uh, for pennies on the dollar later in their drafts. So Coach email, or sorry, tweeted us at Fantasy Auction to get this question in. Slim often puts it out there just before we get on the air if there's any questions, so I'm not sure when this one came in, but uh, the coach, he likes to ask some questions, and I just also wanted to mention quickly, because I forgot before I forget going forward, if you do comment on iTunes, head on over to our website, click on the podcast link. I've got a little... um, a little link on there so you can enter in just that you have commented and give us the comments so that we can make sure that we have your information so that we can make the free subscription available to you. So make sure you come on over to our website, Defense Football Auction, click on podcast and enter in your information there so we don't miss you. Or you can send us an email too. We've got a couple of guys that have done that. So um, anyways, uh, speaking of wide receivers and running backs, Blister, as Slim was just doing, I mean, we're, probably seeing that there's 38 wide receivers right now projecting to be wide receiver ones. And so do you think that the zero RB strategy is something worth looking at? Yeah, it's definitely something to consider. Like I think there's going to be early on right now, I haven't mocked any auctions yet, but early on, I think there's two ways of thinking about this. That's what Slim just mentioned. There's a lot of wide receivers. So let's pour our money into those top, uh, top name running backs because we know there's depth at wide receiver. We can get them for cheaper. 
or obviously the other one is you 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 wait on the running back position and and pick up some cheaper guys later on in your auction and load up on on the best wide receivers you possibly want. Um, I guess you, I think that zero running back strategy, you can tie yourself to that better just in a snake draft because you can skip those high name, uh, those top first round, second round, third round running backs because they always fall in that first, second, third round. In an auction, you never know what's going to happen. If you go in with this one particular strategy and all of a sudden uh, some of these guys are high end or going cheap because people are, you know, wanting some of these big name receivers or whatever the case may be, or, you know, maybe in the end, maybe you have to be a little more flexible. We talk about this all the time, going in with some flexibility, thinking that you're going in zero running back and all of a sudden, you know, Jamal Charles is sitting there and he's not even over $40 and it looks like he's going to go. I mean, are you going to skip on that altogether? That's an excellent yeah. value. So I think you really just got to wait and see how each mock goes or how each auction is going. Um, I don't totally uh, not like the fact that the, uh, the zero running back strategy. I do think you can pick up guys at running back easier to replace, and you can replace um, then you can replace the stud wide receivers. You know, it's not going to be easy to replace Antonio Brown's production or Odell Beckham, but a running back who is a starter right now might not be a starter by the time training camp rolls around or two weeks into the season because of an injury, which seems to happen. So the next guy up, if you went with a uh, with multiple. Like if we went with a no running back strategy and ended up picking up six or seven running backs later in a latter rounds, there's a good chance that some of those guys could produce for you at some point in the season. So you just got to kind of watch and see how your auction unravels. Yeah, and there's always RBs that come off the waiver too that end up being the guy, right? CJ Anderson, for instance, sure. uh, th- those guys always show yeah. up too, but you never know if you're going to hit the right That's guy right. either. But anyways... Good stuff That's to keep right. in mind. Let's go on to the second question here in Blister. I'll just start with you, and then we can move to, to Slim so you have a chance to crack at something first here. Um, at Falkbird, he's tweeted us again. He asks a question, Blister. Can Murray even get to 1,200 yards this year? He always has a two-part question, so we'll leave that as the first part. I think he can. Um, if you look last year at the, uh, uh, the situation in um, Philadelphia, sorry, uh, Sean McCoy got over 1,300 yards last year, and Sproles tacked on another 300. So they're just under probably 1,700 yards total. Uh, Murray obviously does not have the strong offensive line that he did, but on the Mm -hmm. flip side, he's going to a fast-paced, up-tempo offense that's going to run a pile of plays. Yes, Ryan Matthews Mm -hmm. is there, um, but Ryan Matthews, Mm -hmm. who knows exactly what that role will be. He might spell him off for a series. He might come in on third downs. It's hard to say. He could be banged up before they even hunt the first snap of the season. So uh, if McCoy got 1,300 yards, I mean, Murray, there's nothing wrong with his running abilities. He had 1,800 last year in Dallas. I don't think he hits that number, but I definitely think he can hit the 1,200 mark. All right. So, uh, Slim, what do you think? Does DeMarco get there? Um. Yeah, he should be fairly close. I mean, to me, that's just a number, though. It doesn't it doesn't mean anything. When you look, you know, last year, uh, there was only six running backs that got over 1,200 yards. Uh, one of them was McCoy, and, I mean, we all know McCoy had a down year. He only averaged 13 points a game in PPR leagues. So yardage doesn't mean anything. It's how many times he finds the end zone. And, um, I mean... I think, I, Blister kind of said, I, I don't see why he can't do what McCoy did last year. Hopefully he adds a little bit to those touchdown numbers. Uh, and I think he should be able to add a little bit to those reception numbers as well. But, I mean, 
it's hard to tell with Chip Kelly. There's two other good running backs there that can, you know, when they're healthy, uh, eat into some of those touches potentially. But yeah, I, I think, you know, even if he gets to 1100 yards, he should be, you know, a fairly viable fantasy option. Um, and it would surprise me if he gets 1200 or over. Okay. So second part of the question, Slim, let's start with you. Uh, at Falkberg asks in the second part, is Ingram an RB1? Uh, according to my rankings, I have him as my RB. I just want to double check. RB13. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Just wanted to make sure. <laughs> uh, so, no, he's not an RB1. Would it surprise me if he gets there? No. Uh, I don't think it would at all. Um, you know, the guy almost broke a thousand yards last year, found the end zone nine times. I don't see how that changes. Uh, they should commit a little bit more to running the ball. So he should get more than the 226 uh, attempts that he got last year. Um, so yeah, he could very well become an RB1. Plus, I look at some of the guys I have ahead of him. Um, you know, Arian Foster. I feel like this is going to be the start of his a real downslide potentially for him. Uh, we've seen him kind of get injured more recently in the last few years. It wouldn't be shocking if he ends up missing maybe half a season or something like that. Takes him out of the RB1 one tier. We don't know what can happen with CJ Anderson. Uh, Justin Forsett's a little bit of a crapshoot just because of his age. So there's there's definitely guys that can fall out of that RB1 category and that just bumps Ingram right in there. So he's right on the right on the edge. So technically no, but uh, for all intents and purposes, I would say that he pretty much is a low-end RB1. So, uh, Blister, how about you? I'm looking right now. You're not on the ranking, so I'm guessing that you're not looking at it. Uh, is our, is Mark Ingram an RB1 for you? Just testing you now. Mr. Blister? He's gone mute. He's gone mute. He's on mute. Let's see if he clicks that off. Let's I see was if he notices. There he is. Low. I might have been on mute, but I could hear myself. <laughs> Anyways, uh, sorry about that, folks. <laughs> I always have a little full pie. I didn't want you to hear the cat wanting out or the Tampa Bay scoring the sixth goal and all the fun sixth stuff. Sixth goal. Anyways, I do, I'm on my my own preseason rankings, and I have not ranked at 16th, but like Slim said, that would put him in the high-end RB2. But I do see guys ahead of him that are kind of questionable, and I'll say the same guys. Like I have Charles Sims ahead of him. That might be a... A bit of a hope and a wish and a prayer on my part because I have him in Dynasty. Uh, Isaiah Crowell ahead of him, and who knows what could happen there with Terrence West, and they drafted Duke Johnson, so he could fall out four sets, not getting any younger. You know, I like. I think I agree with him with Arian Foster. He he probably can't stay healthy for the full year. C.J. Anderson, if he slips up, Monty Ball's still there. That was supposed to be his job last year, so I never trust what's going to happen there. So there's a lot of guys that he could creep up the the ranks on that that he could that could get pushed down. Um, I think he'll still be around that high-end um, RB2 range. Um, it does look like they could be, you know, pounding the ball a little bit more on the ground in New Orleans this year. Um, C.J. Spiller could come in more so on third downs as a pass-catching back. I think we'll get to that a little bit later on. So I think he'll hover around that uh, maybe high-end RB1, uh, uh, sorry, low-end RB1, high-end RB2 range. He was 14 last year. I could see him being about the same spot again next year, maybe a little better. All right. Good stuff. So those are a couple of Twitter questions. They came in uh, to our Twitter handle, at Fantasy Auction. So feel free to follow us and uh, send us 
questions that way as well. You can also send us questions via email, footballauctioneer at gmail.com. You can even leave questions on the old website. All right, let's uh, move into some of the other things that, that Slim had taken a look at while doing his rankings this week. The first one he's got on the board here is Le'Veon Bell and the fact that you know the three-game suspension is obviously going to have some sort of effect on his auction value. Slim, what were you thinking here with these three games? How far does he actually go down? Well, this kind of stemmed from when I was making my rankings, and I was trying to figure out where I want to slot Le'Veon Bell, and my gut initially was saying, okay, you know, maybe he slides to five or something like that. And I started looking at the numbers a little closer, and just with kind of how... Um, you know, we know this record-setting year, this this year that DeMarco Murray almost set. Well, Le'Veon Bell outscored him by almost 20 points still in yeah. PPR leagues. So I got to thinking, I was like, you know, if this guy's outscoring everybody, you know, I don't expect DeMarco to do what he did. Matt Forte caught 102 passes. That's not going to happen. Um. To me, Levy and Bell still nothing really changes for him. Um, you know, even missing three games, I was thinking, could he be uh, the leading fantasy running back still? Um, so I kind of hemmed and hawed, and I ended up putting him at number two. I couldn't leave him at number one. I just feel like that the those three games will be uh, too big of an obstacle. But you know, that's for him. That's about sixty points, considering what he averaged last year per game. Uh, even more than that. So that is a considerable chunk of production that can miss, but the guy puts up so much more in all these other games that I just uh, I couldn't drop him outside of the top three, so I left him at number two. Still at number two now. Blister, I'm looking at the rankings. You have him down at five. So yeah. what are your thoughts there? Well, prior to the suspension, I had him number one, and then I dropped him down a bit. Uh, again, that would put him dropping him 60 points off of last year. That would put him down to about 310 fantasy points. Uh, Marshawn Lynch last year finished fourth with 306. So I guess you could rank him anywhere from the third three to five range. Um, it's it's a it's one of those things. Yeah, like Slim said, he's very talented. I like the offense he's going to be in. He's going to come back with a little extra rest in his legs. So uh, I, I just you know you, you can't imagine him staying at number one, missing potentially 60 to 70 points out of those three games, but I still like him as a top five. Uh, whether he goes for the, right now I have him at $52. I don't know if that's a little high. Again, these numbers will change as I mock some more and get some better feel for what the prices are. As long as you're not mocking against a bunch of robots because that sucks and tells you nothing. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Blister, how much, where does that rank that value rank amongst some of the other running backs that you've got right now. And I know that these are just coming off of you just sat down and just made kind of based on your expertise. I have, yeah. I got six guys going for above 50. Eddie, at, right now I got Eddie Lacy most expensive, but a 58 and Jamal 55, DeMarco 53, Forte, Le'Veon at 52, and then Lynch at 50. So I got another four above 45. Yeah, and part of it would go more. I think LaShawn McCoy could go for more than 45. Foster See, might not. Yeah. Jeremy Hill might. They might. See, part yeah. of it for me was when I was looking. I mean, rankings are one thing. Uh, obviously, snake draft, totally different. To me, like, 
auction is a different beast in the sense where a guy gets suspended or you know he's going to miss the first few games because of injury. I feel like it doesn't hurt his auction value very much because um, you can still spend a decent chunk of money on a guy who's going to miss a couple games, knowing that he's going to miss a couple games. Uh, and you can make it up elsewhere. Whereas in a snake draft, you know, Levian Bell's going to be first round pick in PPR leagues, uh, you know, nine times out of 10. If you spend a first round pick on a guy like that and he's missing three, you know, games or something like that, maybe he gets hurt, misses a couple more. It's tough for you to make that up because you don't get any more shots at, you know, Des Bryant or Rob Gronkowski. Whereas in a, you know, in an auction, you can take Levy and Bell and take those other two guys too that will carry you. And guess what? Hey, Levy and Bell comes back for the second half of the season. You know, you've got a pretty sweet team. Um, so I was kind of got me thinking, you know, what would it do to his value? Would it even change his value? Um, I kind of have a feeling because we get close to the drafts. If we drafted now, people would change, but it always seems like, you know, as we get close to the NFL season, people get too excited about the potential of having a guy like this in their team and they'll just they'll keep bidding and uh, everybody will want him still even though they know he's going to miss three games and I don't I I wasn't sure if his price would change very much or, or not I I would expect that he would still be you know right up there with the best guys and I was thinking too if I'm in an auction draft and I have like a first second third overall nomination I'm throwing him out there right away Boom. And just setting, one, I'm going to set the bar, but two, if I want him, when everyone still has their full budget, they might say, oh, you know what, I don't want to spend 45 bucks on a guy that's going to and you know miss right. three games guaranteed. And they might just say, you know what, screw it. You wait until, say, three or four other elite running backs are off the board. Then guys get into that mode, hey, I want that elite running back. Well, then you get those bidding wars where people go up to 55, maybe 60 bucks or something like that to get a guy that they, you know, that's at the end of their tier or something like that. So I was just kind of thinking a strategy, and I know lots of people have been asking us about strategy already, which is awesome and means they're into it. Um, so to me, he's a key cog as far as strategy goes in terms of, you know, one, setting the bar for what running backs are going to go for in your draft, and two, you know, maybe you can sneak an elite RB for less than his market value just because guys aren't going to want to spend very early in a draft because of that suspension. Blister, this is exactly why we started the podcast and the website. We needed people to be talking about auction-specific stuff just like this. Two good points Slim brings up there. Number one, in an auction, you can make this deficit back up, that three-game hole. And number two, nomination strategy, you don't just walk in and go down your list. Um, I love both points. Blister, anything to add to that? Yeah, Le'Veon, this is his third year in the league, and the first year I drafted him, he was a rookie, he was hurt, we didn't know when he would play, cost me $8. Last year we thought he might be getting suspended for the start of the year, cost me, I think, $38. And this year we know he's going to be suspended, and I bet you he cost you closer to 50 So every year he's gone up, every year he started the year with a bit of a question mark over his head, and uh, he just keeps getting more tastier looking every time. Yeah, so, no, and that's it. And I just, I love both those points, uh, Slim, that you make. That's why people listen to us. That's why we decided to put all this stuff together is that, you know, guys think you can just go and listen to all the snake draft stuff and say, oh, he's a first-round pick, so then that means I'm going to do blank with it. But the idea of 
throwing him out in a very, very early nomination to um, maybe get him out of steel when typically we don't think that way as far as early nominations go. We think you throw guys out there you don't want that are going to go for big bucks. So I like the 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 zigging. Well, I guess it's that time of year, right? I have to start saying zig instead of zag. Do you ever stop? <laughs> Probably not. Actually, I haven't said it in a long time, actually. I don't think you have, no. no, no so anyways, I, uh, g- great points, guys. Great points. All right, let's move on to the second point that Slim brought up. Buster, we'll start with you. Um, low-end RBs, RB1s, like we've been talking about, can be a little bit of a crapshoot. Um, which ones are you thinking about buying and which ones are you thinking about avoiding? So these are guys in your you know, 10 through 12 type category. Yeah, well, you know, I might even stretch it out a little bit more than that. But uh, if I'm looking at this, uh, right now I have LaShawn McCoy at 10th. If the value is there, I might, you know, take a run at him because he's going to Buffalo and they should be a pretty run-heavy offense. They they run a lot of plays as well in Buffalo. At least a couple of years ago they did, and I think last year they were up there still too. So I think LaShawn McCoy is a good grab. I mean, um but I think his name's still there that people might be expecting a big bounce back. There's going to be those people out there that were disappointed in his effort last year. But I think, uh, I mean, you're still getting 1,300 plus yards last year, uh, you know, on the ground. Um, he was still a 10th or, or no, maybe finished 12th last year running back. But uh, Justin Forsett's another guy because I, I like what he did last year in Baltimore. I like that offense. But the thing is you can go later on and grab potential handcuff and, whether it's uh, Buck Allen or, or um, Talaferro, probably for both of them, you could probably grab him for two bucks. So you, you could potentially have him and the starting running back in Baltimore, no matter what happens to Forsett for for the price of, you know, less than half the price of one of the big studs at the top end of the tier. Uh, Charles Sims, another guy I would gamble on. I probably got him ranked way too high and too expensive at this point. Um, Latavius Murray and Frank Gore, those, those are all names that I think could be potentially in the bottom end of that RB1 tier um, and cost you half the price of the big names at the top, but you might be able to get twice as many of them for that price, and, and I don't think they would disappoint you. So is there anyone there, Blizzard, you're avoiding at all, all costs then? For me? Yeah. Avoiding at all costs. Like oh, Aaron Foster. Yeah. I w- yeah, I wouldn't bother with Arian Foster. I just think you're going to probably have to invest at least 45 bucks. That's too much for a guy that's probably going to be injured and not not playing a whole lot. Um, Isaiah Crowell, I think there's just too much going on in that Cleveland Browns. I mean, depending on the price, right? They got Terrence West. Right. I don't think they like Terrence West. I don't think they like Terrence West. Terrence's attitude, but they drafted Duke Johnson this year too to muddy the waters even more. So the only good thing going for them though is they really don't have anybody that can throw or catch. So they really <laughs> have to do run the ball as much as they possibly can. Just that, like last year was the revolving door who would start, Crowell would start, then he would fumble, then West would start, and they both put up decent numbers. West was drafted ahead of them, but apparently, like I said, rumors have it that they don't really like West all that much in, in Cleveland. So those two guys I would probably avoid, let somebody else spend a bigger money on. Um, and that's probably about it. Okay. Otherwise, I'm reaching. Otherwise, I'm reaching farther into the running back two area. Right. Well, and we. I mean, the the asterisk is always, you know, at the right price, right? At the right price. Mm-hmm. So at all costs is probably. I mean, that's a tough one. Yeah. A tough little uh, ender on there. Anyway, so Slim, let's go to you. 
we're looking at your rankings right now. Um, those low end RB ones, you know, Forsett, uh, Jeremy Hill, LaShawn McCoy. Um, what ballpark are you looking at, or who are you targeting, and who are you avoiding? Uh, who am I targeting? Um, I think for me, Justin Forsett is a guy that intrigues me a lot, and a lot of it has to do with Mark Tressman. Um, you know, we know about his age. He has very little tread in the tires, and we also saw, you know, Matt Forte had 130 targets or something like that last year. If Forsett can even get half of those targets this year, um, to me, he becomes a PPR stud pretty much weekly. So he's the guy that I, out of that lower tier that um, I'm interested in. C.J. Anderson is another one. I have him as my RB8. Um, some people are scared. They think, oh, you know, what's going to happen with this Denver offense? How effective is Peyton Manning going to be? Now, I mean, the guy, if I look really quick, what did he finish last year? Uh, I can't even remember. I've got it here. He finished RB10 in uh, PPR. Had uh, 34 receptions and 850 yards, 849. Okay, I got 10, RB11, 10 but scores. still. Yeah, guy well, I'm just looking at NFL data. Or data. Sorry. Yeah, anyway, he finished as a low-end RB1 and barely touched the ball or saw the field for half the season. Um, so can he you know, still score 25 points a game in PPR leagues? I don't know. That might be a little bit of a stretch, especially if Peyton Manning is a you know, a little less effective T- defenses might start to focus more on Anderson versus the passing game. But um, to me, I just feel like there's not a lot of risk there with CJ Anderson. Um, so he's a guy that, you know, I'm going to hopefully let other people pass on because they're scared of uh, this quarterback who maybe can't throw the ball effectively, which, to me, means great things for the running game. If you can't throw the ball effectively, then aren't you going to hand it off more or aren't you going to throw screen passes? And C.J. Anderson, to me, he is by far the best running back on that team. He can pass block. Um, you know, He's good in, in you know picking up, uh, helping Peyton Manning avoid hits, which is a big thing that the, that coaching staff's going to want. It's tough to get him off the field. He he does pretty much everything well, in my opinion. So um, as far as a guy I'm avoiding, I agree with Blister. I think Arian Foster is somebody I'm not touching. And it sucks because he always gives you those glimmers uh, where he's going to yeah. get you 30 points one week. And, you know, he if he could stay healthy, the dude would be a top five running back. I feel like no no question, but and even you know he he is top five running back even when uh, you know he finished fifth last year and he missed I can't even remember missed a few games so the guy still does it. Um, I just feel like this is going to be a year where uh, if you're an Arian Foster owner right now, say in dynasty, I'm trying to get rid of him. I feel like he doesn't have 16 more games left in his career. To be quite honest, I wouldn't be surprised if he misses something like half the season this year. And that could spell the end of him going into 2016 even. So it's a guy I really don't have much confidence in. Um, if I'm owning him, I'm hoping he has two big games and I can 
get a first round pick or something for him and just wash my hands of him and, and move on to, to hopefully something bigger and better. But yeah, I just too much injury risk for me. Uh, just not consistent enough to stay on the field. Okay. So blister, let's head back to you. We've been talking about the RB ones. Let's take a look at some RB twos in particular, those uh, PPR guys that, you know, in non PPR is something way down, but in PPR ranks move into that, you know, decent level of RB two. Taking a look at guys like CJ Spiller, um, Gio Bernard. So, what do you think about that grouping of guys as far as uh, your auction draft this year, and um, how important are they going to be in your draft? Well, I think those two guys are going to be still very valuable players, and I think maybe CJ Spiller. Is, you know, I think for the last few years we've all been hoping that he's going to produce like he did when he when he came out in 2012 and was the the, the sixth ranked running back in fantasy and PPR and uh, you know every year after that we kept thinking 2013 is going to be his year 2014 but he was disappointing now he goes over to New Orleans New Orleans didn't really add a lot you know they uh, look at that I noticed one of my articles I typed something wrong <laughs> anyways uh, um, New Orleans they got rid of Jimmy Graham they got rid of uh uh, Kenny Stills, and they didn't really bring any other pieces in other than C.J. Spiller. And what everyone's thinking right now is he'll take place of the Darren Sproles role. Like last year, Dar- last year C.J. finished as a 69th-ranked running back, only played in nine games. But when Sproles was there, when Sproles and the New Orleans Saints, New Orleans Saints offense was rolling, in 2011, Sproles finished as a fifth-ranked running back. Uh, he was 13th in 2012 and 23rd in 2013. So all between RB1 and low-end RB2 numbers. Um, and if, if he's going to fill that role, especially PPR, I think he's going to be a really valuable player for you. And you're going to get him quite a bit cheaper, but if he's coming in as your RB2 or your flex, I think you're not going to be disappointed. Again, this all hinges on his health. He right. he needs to stay healthy. Uh, Gio Bernard, the guy finished, he still finished 16th last year. He actually averaged slightly better points per game than Jeremy Hill. Jeremy Hill finished as the 10th-ranked running back, Gio the 16th-ranked running back. So, again, everyone's going to spend a lot of money on on uh, Jeremy Hill, and nobody is going to be as fond of Gio this year. But I think if Gio gets to play the same role and, and more of his points are going to come in PPR, he's going to have less value in just standard scoring. But in PPR, he's going to get those catches. He's going to get those catching touchdowns potentially. And he could, again, be a nice flex RB if, you, if you're so lucky to have him at enough depth at RB that he could be your flex. There'd be nothing wrong with that, especially in PPR. So I think both those guys, again, they're going to they're gonna be under the radar slightly because there's going to be a lot of running backs out there that are much highly more highly sought after than those two, but I think those two guys mm-hmm. on, your, on your team in PPR leagues are going to be very valuable, and if you can grab them, get them. Slim, I'm looking at a couple of other names here that probably fill that that niche to taking a look at Andre Ellington, Shane Vereen, mm-hmm. your newly acquired Shane Vereen. Those guys mm-hmm. probably slot in there as well as far as PPR goes. Um, yep. Any other names, or do you want to talk about those two? Sure. I mean, I just in general, I I feel like I I am one of the guys, and I know it's a weakness of mine, it, mm-hmm. admittedly so. I love these types of running backs. Um, I probably tend to have them higher ranked than a lot of people might. I know just looking at the rankings that my, myself and Blister have, all four of the guys you just mentioned, I have them ranked higher than he does. Um, I just, I, I really love the allure of these guys that can catch 
passes. Um, I think it makes them so valuable for you, and and I feel like they're they're oftentimes um, they come a lot cheaper than a lot of these other uh, between the tackles type runners. But Ellington, to me, I I I have a hard time figuring this guy out, or at least what to expect this year. I I don't like him as a player. I feel like um, there's just too many injury risks. Uh, I don't like that he's got injuries to you know soft tissue in his feet. I hate soft tissue injuries to begin yeah. with, and a running back when he's got foot problems to me that's not a good thing. But I like the situation. Um, I don't like the fact that the Cardinals drafted David Johnson. Uh, to me, they need some kind of a, a bigger between the tackles runner, and David Johnson to me isn't that guy. Um, so, and they've pretty much come out and said that it's Andre Ellington's show. Uh, Bruce Arians virtually said that, that they're going to get him the ball as much as they can, which again now comes back to, I don't think his body can, then can take it. And if you can pair him with some other talented running backs and withstand the times, the games, the injuries that he's, they're going to keep him off the field, then I think that you're going to have some really good games out of him. Uh, where you know games where he could win you a week even, and he could be top end RB one in in various weeks. But you're also going to have games where you might miss him for a stretch. So that's the risk with Ellington. I still have him as a low end RB two, uh, just because I think that he's going to get some volume, and I like his athletic ability. I just the injuries scare me. Um, and then you said Vereen, right? Yeah, and, this and is he's lower down your rankings, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I still just have him outside of RB2. Um, you know, he's kind of mid-RB3, I guess, for me, or flex. And I think a lot of people are scared by this running back situation, and I understand it. I mean, you have Rashad Jennings, who is no slouch necessarily catching the ball, uh, and then Andre Williams, who really doesn't catch the ball. And you get these three fairly talented running backs in some capacity. Um that are going to have to fight for carries. But I look at it and I feel like Rashad Jennings and Andre Williams are going to fight with each other. And Shane Vereen is going to be left relatively untouched in all this. And if this guy can catch you, you know, five passes a game, then all of a sudden he's, you know, quite valuable as far as in PPR leagues. And I look at this Giants offense, to me it kind of, I mean, part of it is I'm surprised. I thought they would take a receiver early. I feel like they know that Eli Manning's, running out of time, and if they want to win more Super Bowls, they're going to probably have to do it with him in the next few years. And I I expect them to kind of open up this offense. We saw it with Odell Beckham last year. Just they're going to keep want to keep passing the ball, I think. And to me, this is where Shane Vereen is a good fit for this offense. If they're really going to look to pass the ball, then Andre Williams doesn't see the field. So then it becomes kind of Jennings and Vereen. And Rashad Jennings, to me, is no guarantee to stay on the field as far as injuries. So... If I can give Vereen for really cheap and, you know, use him as a flex running back and play matchups and just, you know, hope for injuries, to me, I, I like that about him. Well, and just to play the devil, I was just looking up here. Andre Williams, how like, without looking, maybe you did look already, how many targets do you 18. think he got last year, the guy who doesn't catch anything? Did he have 18 catches? He had 18 catches, but 37 targets. Yeah, and that surprised that, me. That, I remember looking that, at that, too, when I was doing my rankings and thinking, like, I expected to see, like, four. For yeah, that puts time. him at the um, the 35th running back as far as targets goes. Devontae Freeman at 38, LaShawn McCoy at 38. 
But then I, I ask myself with Williams, was that out of necessity or were they trying to catch defenses? Like if you have another pass receiving running back there, does, is Andre Williams even on the field now in those situations yeah. anymore? I don't know. So like, he only catches 18 of those balls, and the guys around with Devontae Freeman um, catches 30 of the 38. Uh, Jordan Todman is uh, you know 25 of the 37, and Andre Williams only catches 18 balls. Was his I mean, catch rate only- 50%? Yeah. On little screens and things? Like those, he wasn't running nine routes. And 50%. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Well, hey, but he caught 18 balls, which is a lot more than I thought. Oh, yeah. You know, so, and he was... I think Elf, Elf Morris even caught 18 last year. <laughs> well, let me... Uh, well, I can tell you here. <laughs> well, yeah, because yeah, Elf didn't he catch... Did. Uh, did he catch he 18? Yeah, he catcher. Really... <laughs> So oh, I'll just uh, – I don't even have him on the thing. Toby Gerhardt caught 20. Holy. Yeah. He was wonderful. Alfred Morris, 17 receptions only. Oh, well, okay. there you go. There you go. Anyways, no, I just thought I'd play the devil there. Right. And, I mean, Rashad Jennings only had 41 uh, – you know, he had 41 targets there. So between the two of them, it still is not huge numbers as far as PPR. When you look at Shane Vereen last year had, what, eighty, almost 80 targets. In that system, yeah. So, yeah, no, it's a interesting. There's definitely so, risk there with him. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to something else here. We are talking about some younger guys here who can catch the football. Let's talk about some old timers, Blister. Not because sure. you're an old timer, but uh, we'll go to you. <laughs> go to you first. We've already talked uh, about Justin Forsett. I don't know if there's too much more to talk about. But um, one of the interesting guys, I think, this year, especially in the offense he moved to, is Frank Gore. I know we spoke to him a little bit before, but Blister, what do you think of Frank Gore in that Colts offense this year um, as far as your rankings and auction values? I really like him in that offense this year. I think Frank Gore has a chance to really, really find the end zone a lot, which is really going to help his value. I mean, I have him ranked 18th. I think he potentially could finish a lot higher. He finished 21, 21st last year, and it's, I think it's pretty safe to say that that offense in Santa Fran wasn't as exciting as the offense in Indy. So uh, I think, you know, this guy could really move up. I mean, he could creep right into the RB1 category based on based on that offense. And He's the just increasing targets. I'm just looking at that. He only had 19 yeah. targets last year. Frank Gore, who catches the football yeah. well, apparently. Yeah, well, prior to last year, he had he was a great pass catching back, and and I think right there, I mean, we saw what Ahmad Bradshaw did in this offense. We saw Boom Heron. You know, these two guys, I I don't think you could say are as good as Frank Gore, and they still caught the ball. I mean, Bradshaw was having a hell of a year before he got hurt. He was catching passes and catching touchdown passes. It seemed like every week. So I think Frank Gore. Basically, he's going to be in line for a lot of catches, which is in PPR awesome, uh, touchdowns potentially, and uh, could be in for one heck of a year. And I think, um, you know, he's a guy, again, that you could, you know, if you've missed out on the big, high, expensive running backs, you could get that same production out of him and for, for quite uh, a bit cheaper price at your auction. Uh, we talked about four set, like you said, Jay Stu. Jay Stu's another guy I kind of think might, you know, I, I've always – Always, 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 I pretty much despise the Carolina backfield as about as much as everything I've despised about San Diego over the years, it seems like, which is pretty harsh, right? And um, for no good reason, I didn't like San Diego. Oh, yeah, North Turner. He, North he, Turner. He, he, never mind. It all comes back. It's a nightmare. But anyways, you know, it's all because he just didn't play as good players. But anyways, uh, so anyways, here we are. Uh, Jay Stu. 
he's in Carolina, and before, I mean, they, they I don't know how many years ago now that it was, they signed both him and, and D'Angelo Williams to huge contracts. And then, I mean, since they did that, neither of them really lived up to their potential. Neither of them could stay on the field. And now, uh, you know, he's in a situation where behind him he has Fozzie Whitaker. I don't think that's scaring anybody. Jordan Todman, who came over from Jacksonville, and they drafted Cameron Artis Payne. And I know Mike Tolbert's there, but again, Tolbert, he has a hard time staying on the field and, and staying out of trouble, and he's not really the kind of guy who's going to come in and take take over a number one running back duty. So I kind of like Stewart. And, and last year, you know, he didn't really get into the groove through injuries and whatnot. I mean, it was about week 14. Week 14 last year was the first time that he got over 20 carries in a game. And from that point on and through the playoffs, he had some really productive games, went over 100 yards, I think, every other game for about the last six, including the playoffs. So uh, I really think that he could bounce back again. Nobody's going to be paying big bucks for him this year. I mean, he's disappointed everybody for the last few years. But I think that uh, he has a good opportunity there this year. If he can go out play, stay healthy, uh, he'll do just fine out there. So. Was there anybody else we were going to look at? Um, there also had Rashad. we had Rashad Jennings on the list. Yeah, I think Slim mentioned him. Like I think he could do okay if he can stay in that lineup. But again, he he's kind of been an injury prone back over the years. He, he so I'm not as excited about him. I'd probably avoid him because of the backfield situation there with Green, with Williams, with himself, and the fact that he can be injured. To me, it's a little more crowded. So I'd, I'd I'd rather out of those names we mentioned, you know, I'd probably like to have Gore first, Gore, Forsett, Jace, Stu, and Rashad would be my last choice. In that order. Um. So, Slim, what about you? We talked about Forsett already. You're a uh, Frank Gore expert as a Niners fan. Any comment there on Frank Gore moving down the list? Yeah, I'm disappointed. I got him lower than Blister. and I, I mean, yeah, it's weird. And we've talked about this, I remember, a few pods ago. Um, yeah, I expect big things. I actually was saw Evan Silva posted somewhere that he predicted that he wouldn't be shocked if Frank Gore had 70 catches this year, which, oh. there you go, EPR leagues. And, I, no and I, to me, maybe that's a little bit high, but... Uh, I mean, even if he gets 50 catches, um, and that's to me, that's not out of the question because, again, I I feel like other than for rest, there's no need to take him off the field. He can do anything you want a running back to do. It uh, he pass protects probably as as good or better than anyone else, any other running back in the NFL. Uh, he can catch the ball. He can obviously run between the tackles. Um, I, I, yeah, he, to me, he's going to get a lot more scoring opportunities than he's had the last few years in San Francisco. Um, it's it's going to be a really good situation for him, and I really have no doubt uh, that he can be um, a, a very good RB2 for you. I'm, in fact, I would say I have Melvin Gordon ranked higher, six spots higher than Frank Gore, and I would argue that Frank Gore to me is more of a sure thing than Melvin Gordon. Um so, well, what do you I, think? Yeah, what, do you, I mean, what do you think as far as uh, targets and receptions? I mean, last year he had 19 targets for 11 catches, then 26 for 16, well, 36 for 28. But I mean, back in 2010, 20 and uh, 209, you know, he was over 70 targets in each of those years and catching, exactly. you know, around 50 balls. That's right. I mean, it totally once Harbaugh and the boys showed up there, their scheme totally changed. They went to more power running. Uh, they virtually 
didn't throw screen passes at all to running backs, um, which is something that the Colts won't do. Yeah. So it's not that he can't catch. If you look when Alex Smith first came there, uh, you know Frank Gore might have been the leading receiver even one year. He was he was racking up uh, two thousand yard total seasons on one of the worst teams, you know that we've seen in in recent memory. So <laughs> yeah. the dude was putting up numbers with a bunch of plugs around him. So you go with a, actually you have an actual quarterback and you get some receivers. Um, yeah, I, I don't see how he doesn't, you know, unless he gets hurt. And that's the argument. Everybody says, well, you know, it's Frank Gore's time. And I get that. He is old. Um, but his whole career has been based on on defying these odds. Um, yeah. With the injuries that he's had, there's no way that he should even be have been playing in the NFL even five years ago. And the guy just still kept, let alone putting up 2,000-yard seasons. Um it just blows me away, and this is why I'll never count him out uh, because he's 32. Um, the guy just has – he's got a competitive drive, and I think he's obviously just a freak uh, in terms of being able to stay healthy and fight through injuries. So, yeah, um, I look for a big year from him. All right, and what do you think about Jonathan Stewart then? Uh, to me, Jonathan Stewart is a low-end RB2 only for the fact that um, – there's got, there's no one really else there. Uh, again, everyone knows. I think the guy has only played in half of the games that he's ever could have played in in his NFL career. He's actually played in, which doesn't get any easier with age. I think he's 28 now. Um, yeah, if if there was any other running back there, uh, I don't see how you could draft Jonathan Stewart any higher than say 30, 35. But um, I was kind of surprised they spent a draft pick late on Cameron Artis Payne. He doesn't really do anything for me. Um, you know, Jordan Todman to me isn't that talented. So I don't really see anyone else there uh, that's going to carry the load. And they've showed at the end of last year, they'll give it to him 20, 22 times a game uh, without hesitation. So whether his body can hold up to that, we'll see. Uh, he's a guy that I'm maybe a little bit skeptical on, and I might try and drive the price up to let someone else buy him just because um, the injuries scare me. But if he can stay healthy, to me there's no doubt he puts up uh, some fantasy points, but that's a big if. Big if. All right. Um, anyone else on that list that Blister kind of went through? Well, I mean, Rashad Jennings, I guess, is the last guy. Yeah, no, I kind of talked about him. I don't think... Uh, you know, last thing I was looking a little more at is the rushing numbers. The guy didn't do much with on the ground, you know, as far as yards per carry or anything like that. And a lot of it had to do with the offensive line. I get that, but uh, another guy that with some injuries and maybe not some great production, you know, maybe you can get him for really cheap. And let's face it, hey, if you know, some people might you know, want to spend very little on running backs. And these are some guys that you might be able to target. And I wouldn't feel awful if I built a stable of four or five guys like this mixed in, hopefully with some younger guys, even like, you know, the likes of CJ Spiller, Gio Bernard, who we talked about before. Um, you can get a very serviceable fantasy backfield. Um, but you have to know that there's going to be some risks with some of these guys. And hopefully you can insulate yourself a little bit by, finding the right, you know, high upside uh, younger guys that maybe have carry less risk to pair them with week in and week out. Okay, so 
we had next on the list guys outside the top 50, and I'm just taking a look right now at our con- that the consensus rankings between the two of you, and that kind of starts at like Amir Abdullah in that type of range as far as the consensus goes. So then I'm mm-hmm. looking, and I'm like, you guys are really – there's a – I guess a lot of disparity between a couple of individuals have fallen to this range. And so I guess I just want to um, ask you each about it here quick. Um, Maybe in a little defend your rankings. How about something like that? We haven't brought that up for a long time. So Blister, let's go to you first. Um, At uh, your number 71, RB71, Duke Johnson, defend your rankings. (laughs) <laughs> oh geez, I just looked at that one and how far <laughs> apart they were and that one. Well, I just like I said, Duke Johnson goes to Cleveland where when I was talking about Isaiah Corral, they got Isaiah they brought in Isaiah Corral last year undrafted free agent. They signed uh, or they drafted Terrence West and this year they turn around and signed Duke Duke Johnson. So I don't know. You know, obviously he has a potential to finish higher than that. I mean, everybody does. It's just that he's going into a crowded backfield. Perhaps as we as we see some training camp unfold and we get through some preseason, maybe we'll have a better idea of what it's going to look like in Cleveland. But like we mentioned before, the, the, the quarterback situation and the receiver situation is pretty awful there. So they should mm-hmm. run the ball a lot. And potentially maybe there's enough work for three running backs to be productive. But at this point in time, I just felt that, you know, he's a rookie. You always got to temper your expectations. They have two guys ahead of him. So, yeah, I put him down fairly low for now. I okay. guess just based on the fact that he's young. Okay. What and, about you? What about you, Slim? Let's see if I uh, pull that back up. You've got Duke Johnson at 33. So, um, you know, flex worthy. Talk to us mm-hmm. or defend your rankings. Sorry. Yeah, I. I think that, I mean, this is PPR ranking, I will say that. To me, right. he offers a skill set that they don't have. Um, I, I, not that Crowell can't catch passes of Terrence West. I really think Terrence West now has become the RB3 there. I don't think they're really high on him. They realize that they probably have two more talented backs. Uh, if Duke Johnson landed virtually anywhere else, he would be in discussion as a first-round dynasty pick in rookie drafts. And because he went to this, like Blister said, it's a, it's a crowded backfield. Uh, he's kind of being forgotten about in a lot of redraft discussion, I think. But to me, he's super talented. Um, he can catch the ball. He can run between the t- – he can really do it all. Um, so to me, he gets on the field as the pass-catching option out of the backfield. Crowell becomes the pounder and Terrence West – ends up becoming kind of the forgotten man. Um, and I, they are going to run the ball a lot because they don't have receivers or a quarterback. So I think that he's going to get a fair amount of touches, maybe not early on in the season. Um, and, I mean, hey, all he's got to do is practice well, and we know that the coaching staff will, will find minutes for him because that seems to be how they base their, their playing time, which is stupid, yeah. but uh, that's for a whole other pod. But I think that he's going to offer a skill set that they can't just leave on the bench. Um, and when they realize that he could maybe end up being the very best running back they do have on that team, he's going to end up getting uh, some looks, especially later on in the season. All right, uh, Blister, we're going to go to the next one here. Someone that uh, I just was offered offered a dynasty trade for for the 110 pick, which is Joseph Randall. So, Blister, you have Joseph Randall down at uh, running back 68. Defend your rankings. Well, that that's another 
probably pod. And I think if you listen or read anything, everybody right now is trying to figure out who the Dallas running back will be. I mean, a lot of people think that Derry McFadden might not even make their final roster in September. Um, Joseph Randall had a good yards per average yards per carry last year, but he wasn't. You know, a lot of people aren't, aren't believers. Plus, he's got his fair share of off-field issues. Uh, yeah. Ryan Williams is there. He might be a guy that finishes ahead of him. Or they still think they might even trade and pick up another running back. So I just think it's hard to tell at this point who the running back is going to be. Everybody wants to know because he, whoever it is is going to get to run behind the great offensive line that the Cowboys have and has the potential to put up some fantasy points for you. At this point in time, I probably got DMC slotted a little bit ahead of Randall. But that's one that's going to change drastically, and I think that's one of the big questions in fantasy running back uh, right now is, is who will be the number one out of Dallas come start of the season. Yeah, right I now, I don't it, know who it will be. It's going to be a good question, and we, and we did talk about that in the last pod where we had the question who it is to target. So, Well, guys, this pushes us right around that hour mark. There's a lot, of more, lot more stuff we could talk about as far as RBs go, and we're going to get into a lot more too. It is only May 18th. So we've got a ton of time um, to kind of let this simmer now and then, you know, take a look forward at maybe some more situational stuff like Dallas or like Tampa or even Miami, I guess, with Ajayi going there. So we can kind of let some of that stuff simmer. Let's just uh, do a quick little review of what's going on on the old website. Coming up right around the corner, the premium site will be will be up and running. So it's like buying your draft kit, only it's just in the website form. So 695 is going to get you the premium content. Uh, stuff's going to be coming out all the time. Blister in the last week has put together four different articles. We've extended our player rankings and auction values down into the 100-plus mark for running backs and wide receivers, for instance. Um, what else? We've got a lot of, lot of new content coming because of these surveys and stuff we're doing with our listeners and our fans. So... You head on, 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 head on over to the website, defensefootballauction.com. Click on the members uh, tag that's new on the top now, and you can take a look at some of the stuff that we have to offer you there. Like always, head on over to iTunes, check out the podcast there, uh, click subscribe so that you don't miss any of the shows. Leave us a comment and a, and a rating. Do it before June 1st and um, just leave that information on our website when you click on the podcast link on our website so that you can get yourself that free premium subscription and um, follow us on Twitter at Fantasy Auction. Um, I don't know. It's about all I got, guys. The app, uh, again, our developer is uh, a little bit slow. I was supposed to get a video demo tonight. I don't know if he's still working on it out on the East Coast, but... Uh, no notification yet. Um, seems to be uh, a work in progress. We just updated some of the back-end stuff this, um, this well, just today. So we just uh, dropped a few more bucks into the old, old app so that we can get a little bit better on the back-end stuff for them, for, for the user to be able to save and um, recall content from their drafts. Remember that the app is going to be an in-draft uh, application that you're going to be able to use to help you figure out who you're targeting, who you're not targeting, different dollar values and those types of things. I was working with the math guy on it last week, and there's a lot of potential for it in draft this year, and we can see a lot of stuff as we move forward into uh, future updates as well. 
Um, guys, that's about all I got. So that is episode 108 in the books. It's a Monday night, so hopefully I can get it up and it'll be out there early so guys like Falkbird aren't giving me the gears when's the next pod coming out. <laughs> right on, man. Lister, and I'm really pumped that you didn't fall asleep sitting in the Lazy Boy. I know, it's kind of hot here. and uh, we got a cat clinging to the window out there like this. <laughs> so much, and apparently Mom was sleeping because I texted her to go live it in, but no luck. It is, um, but, yeah, it is, comfy spot it is about, well, what, about 30 degrees out there tonight? So she's That's a little chilly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys, I think I'm going to, um, I'm going to be over at the school tomorrow. So maybe we can, we can walk through some of the stuff that we need to keep, uh, working on. Um, I would say it feels like it's springtime in the Rockies. So we'll just, <laughs> we'll just go that way. And for the rest of you, we'll see you when it's springtime in the Rockies. When it's springtime in the Rockies, I'll become.